You are listening to the In Context Podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of the In Context Podcast. To me, it's... <laughs> to me, to you, to me. To leave that on. <laughs> Good morning and welcome to another edition of the In Context Podcast. This morning, it is me and Graham Thompson from Cleck Eaton. Uh, and we are going to jump on the bandwagon. There's nothing better than if you've got nothing to talk about jumping on the bandwagon. And this week's bandwagon appears to be uh, Mark Driscoll. Uh, I think it's your favourite preacher, wasn't it, Graham? Oh, yeah, absolutely loved him. I listened to the grand total of one sermon. <laughs> so, yeah, couldn't get enough of him. Because <laughs> <laughs> a bloke was going on about it, and he said it's vital for his marriage prep. So, Who was that, sorry? Well, this this lad that I were, I were discipling at the time, he says, I've listened to this sermon about sex. You've got to listen to it. <laughs> there were a lot of jokes about sex that weren't that funny, as I remember. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, it... It didn't come as much as a surprise to me uh, when stuff came out about Mark Driscoll, and I don't think that's because I'm majorly discerning. Uh, probably because <laughs> I'm judgmental and cynical, so <laughs> it doesn't come much as a surprise to me when anyone falls. Because <laughs> a, a, I'm very judgmental, but B, I know how much my life's hanging by a thread. So uh, for for me, I'm I'm kind of coming in to this discussion not on the side of Mark Driscoll, but with some kind of empathy and sympathy mm. for him. And uh, I think a lot's been said about leadership and toxic leadership and and spiritual abuse and uh, people who are unfit for eldership. But again, I think as, as Christians, as people who listen to these preachers and admire and follow them and buy the books, we have to take some kind of responsibility at some point, don't we, for... Uh, allowing these people to grow in stature, grow in uh, power and in dominance. Uh, and, I, and I feel by saying that I'm at risk of like uh, offending people who, who have been hurt and abused by these people, which I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm talking about not the people who've kind of been victims of these people, but people who have helped get these people in the, in the position of power in the first place. What would you think of that, Graham? Yeah, I think, I think as as people who are called to shepherd the flock, we we have a responsibility to, you know, as pastors and that, we have a responsibility to help our folks be discerning mm-hmm. um, with, when it comes to like, how the, how the, what they're reading, what they're listening to online and that. Um, yeah, um, I, I'm, I'm generally want to ask folks what they're listening to and reading, but I think we get, you know, I think I think the thing we we just go off at the time. You know, kind of ten years ago, whenever it was, when he really came to prominence, where it was something a bit different. And I think we've talked about this before, haven't we? That like for for guys like uh, maybe us who've grown up with no role models, it maybe to some of some people like that, it, it really appealed because he was something different. He wasn't the academic, you know, kind of guy talking. And I think some people got carried away with that. Here's something different. Here's something fresh. Um, but yeah, uh, I think we definitely bear responsibility when, not just with him, but with anybody as as, as pastors, we 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 need to check out what um, what folks are listening to. I remember when, do you remember when it were oh, whatever uh, Prince Harry and whatever Meghan Markle they got married the other year, and everyone was going nuts about that sermon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and like. People said to all over Twitter and whatever, and and um, 
I, I said something about it in the sermon the next day. I was like, you know, that were basic equivalent of whatever they were called Huey Lewis and News doing Power of Love because <laughs> it were like there were no there were no gospel in there and whatever. And I got a bit of um, comeback off people, but I think you know if we let folks um, listen to stuff without discernment, then yeah, we do bear a responsibility. So I think we've we we've got to take that responsibility, but. I mean, it's hard. I guess it's hard for me and you in that sense because we never really got into Driscoll anyway, did we? We, had, we were trained by somebody who loved Driscoll <laughs> at the time. Um, but he certainly <laughs> won his target audience, were he? So, yeah. you know, middle-class guy with, with brogues on. So, I, I know quite a few pastors who who uh, uh, admirers of him who, who enjoyed and, and, and said they benefited from hearing him preach. So I don't want to dismiss that, but for me... Mm. Uh, I was put off by him with his uh, desperation to appear edgy and to appear, appear relevant and, and cool. And that, yeah, he was a poor man's sinner. Do you know what I mean? I'd come from, I, I was a brand new Christian. Uh, I'd, I'd come from a, a lifestyle of violence and uh, swearing and <laughs> womanizing and, and people who loved themselves and. The environment I was working in as a, as a bouncer, everyone had a lot of pretense. They pretended they were hard. They pretended they thought they were God gifts to women and that they were cool and stuff. And I, I just recognised them as one of the frauds that I'd, I'd been on the doors with. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I was a fraud <laughs> myself. So I felt like a lot of the stuff that he was doing just reminded me of me, but not the positive sides of me, the negative sides of me. And I am quite a judgmental person by nature. So I had that battle of, because everybody else loved him, me thinking, am I just cynical? Am I just judgmental? Or is this bloke trying too hard to appear like something that he's not? And the desperation to appear cool where I think pastors, evangelists, and Christian youth workers need to get a grip and understand you're not cool. There's no cool Christians. <laughs> if anyone thinks you're a cool person as a Christian, then they must be a geek. You know, the only people who think we are, are cool are geeks. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, 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 and if people who are unsaved think we're cool, then they're geeks as well. Because as Christians, we're called to be holy and not cool, aren't we? And, yeah. uh, and, and I think a lot of people will, in the church arena, will, will try and appear this cool, edgy, relevant person because they don't fit in in the real world is cool and edgy yeah. and relevant. Well, I think that's, I, I, I think that's a problem, not just where like when Driscoll came through and stuff, but I think that's a problem. That's not even a new thing, like celebrities mm -hmm. in the Christian, in the Christian church. I think like we talk about it now and people, you hear all the old fellas going on about, Oh, these, they love the celebrities now, but it, it's been the staple of evangelism. Glen Oddle. yeah. Exactly. Do you remember? Yeah. yeah. I remember having a Christians in Sport video with him on it. And his yeah. testimony was like, I went to I went to Bethlehem and it was dirty. So I kind of thought Jesus must be cool. Um <laughs> but but like if you think about it, I growing up, it were like, oh, we're gonna have uh we're gonna have an evangelistic event. We've got we've got some local celebrity or was it Patrick or, Duffy or, off Little House on the Prairie as well? <laughs> All I remember is being a teenager, like growing up in church, it was like, uh, you'd say somebody's name like a family, oh, he's a Christian him. Yeah. You know, because his mum went to church once or something like that, you know. It's like, oh, 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 we, we've got to get Dan Dan Walker to come do a, a, a evangelistic event, or we've got to get Milton Jones to come do it, you know, whatever. Now, don't get me wrong, they're probably good godly guys, but, yeah. like, 
I just think we've got got this obsession with celebrity. Mm. Um, it's like, um, and and the thing is, no, nobody around here. I don't know any celebrities. Mm. You know, everybody I'm trying to reach the gospel has a normal job, and you know, or don't have a job or whatever. And like, what's a celebrity got to do with their lives? But as Christians, we love it because we think it makes it cool. You know, the other year when suddenly Kanye West was the best rapper ever. <laughs> you know, all these people playing the new Kanye West album to their kids and then, you know, Gold Digger comes on and they're like, oh, maybe you shouldn't listen to that. Um, and I just think we've got this obsession with celebrities and we'll forgive people heresy or whatever because we think they're cool. And, and what we've done is we've forgotten, you know, 1 Corinthians 1 and 2, that basically the church is made up of losers. Mm-hmm. You know, not many of you, you uh, are rich or... or wise or whatever because god's chosen the the weak and the foolish things of the world to shame the wise and what we don't like being is we don't like being a loser mm. and that's like the opposite of the new testament mm. you know paul was like where you know where the last in the procession where the slaves are the back of the procession that the lord himself is a peasant from a no-bit town mm. um and and everybody you know it was a the all the disciples poor rough northern men who, who like when they went to jerusalem all posh fellows were like, well, you don't, you don't talk like, like us. We can't understand you. you. You must be a Galilean. You must be without Jesus. But we have this obsession. We like, we like cool people and, you know, oh, he's got bestseller in America and who cares? Mm. You know? Um, and I think we can get run away with that. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I, I must admit, I were prejudiced straight away with Driscoll because he came up and he says, if you're a man, you know, to be a man, you got to be, you got to like, flipping MMA or whatever. <laughs> I, like, I prefer boxing love. So, mm. um, you know, it, and it, 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 that was what got me mm. were, was straight away that, you know, there, there were there were categories of, of what it was to be a man. They were like, you've got to roll around in your jammers like you like doing. Um, I don't <laughs> really yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't really like that. I prefer two blokes just punching each other. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I think... I, but I do think that's a real issue that our discernment, even as pastors sometimes, can go out a window because we think somebody's a bit famous or a bit cool. Or, and, and I think we, we've got to watch ourselves because we do it in all sorts of ways, you know. Um, the thing, you know, with Driscoll, he were a bit edgy and cool, or he thought he were anyway, because um, he told jokes and that. You know, how many how many pastors suddenly, because re- he said, oh, to learn how to preach, I went to stand-up comedians, so they all started watching stand-up the first time in their lives um but we do it you know do it other ways i um when i was growing up everyone was trying to be lloyd jones mm. you know and and um how many young lads trying to reach council states are, are trying to be mezzo or whatever mm. or you know they're not trying to be me or you or anybody or they or, or they try to be andy prime or whoever you know they're a great preacher oh, I've, got, I've got to be like these guys mm. um and it's like well you know just preach as you you know, be you. And I think we just get obsessed with that celebrity. Um, and I think that's a real problem. Yeah. And I think we, we, we often teach people about being discerning and discerning the preacher and, and what he's saying, but I think we need to discern ourselves as, as much, don't we? And why are we attracted to this preacher? What is it that this preacher is saying that excites us so much? So we have, we have fallen beings, even as believers, we're, we're fallen and we have, 
spiritual desires. We desire things of God, yet we also are quite carnal as well and desire worldly things. So whether we are attracted to Mark Driscoll because he, he, he tells a smutty joke or he, he, he talks about MMA and he, and he appears cool or relevant to us, or whether we love the preacher who smokes a pipe and has a calfskin CSB Bible or something, we often... You stop talking about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I haven't smoked the pipe for a while and it wasn't bad. <laughs> <either>, was it? <laughs> it, 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 it's your flat cap and your, uh, your brown card jacket that do it. Yeah, yeah. Me horn-rimmed spectacles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it is, isn't it? We're we attracted to... To, to people like us or people who we want to be, we aspire to be like that. And not often. So for me, Mez, for example, uh, some people might want to follow him and wear a beanie and a, and a, and, and, and a tracky top and, 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 ne- and never look at the people he's preaching to and wander around all over the place. I've seen people do it. <laughs> yeah. But, but I'm tempted myself sometimes. But, but then, but the, do they want to follow his lifestyle and move into the yeah. middle of a real tough estate, have homeless people living with him, taking foster children, uh, be on call 24 7, uh, have, have abuse thrown at him? And do you know what I mean? So this guy isn't just uh, a, a preacher. You don't measure his. Uh, godliness on his preaching you measure his godliness on how he lives and i think that's one thing that we fail to do as uh, as hearers of the gospel and, and preachers is we measure people up by how they sound in the pulpit rather than looking at them in their day-to-day life and for me with mez i've not i've never met anyone who, who's sold out for god like 24 7 i know he's like one of my best mates but i'm not just saying that but flipping heck he, he's he's dedicated and, well, and another thing is he's he's him you know, yeah. I, I can't preach like that. I can't stand up in the pulpit and go, yeah, there's some details here, but nobody really cares about them. What it is, is you're, you're a muppet. <laughs> Stop being a prat. You know, trust Jesus. If, if I do that, I'll get sacked. Yeah. So, you know, I think I think we do it so much with people. Is we, you know, Paul says, don't it, 1 Corinthians, is it beginning of chapter 11, I think? Um, imitate me as imita- I imitate Christ. And what we want to do is imitate people because we think they're cool yeah. rather than in how they imitate Jesus. Well, that's it. It's the personality we aspire to be like rather than the character. And uh, if we if we measure the character against Jesus, that's where you you know this person is a good guy or, yeah. or, or, or he's going to be trouble. And, uh, yeah, and I think that's probably uh, all of our dangers. We're often attracted to the personality of the preacher rather than his, his character. And again, that that danger then leads into us as pastors or us as Christians and how we try and reach the lost. Because if it all becomes about personality, oh, mate, this, forget about women. I heard the Plumcast podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago. It might have been months ago now, but they were talking about a women's conference. Uh, I can't remember which one it was. I don't think they actually mentioned it by name, but they, they just mentioned how difficult one of them found That's it. That's because they're more polite than us, so like, we'd have <laughs> named and shamed it. It's like they oh, But I've been to several several conferences for men, and it was embarrassing. It was like, let's imitate uh, the world as badly as possible, 
uh, let's let's get a load of men who who aren't allowed out by the wives to to have a night away and drink a can of lager for the first time in thirty years by a bonfire, and like dress up as sumo wrestlers, and I was like, when do these conferences? I was like, what's this about? Do you know what I mean? If I wanted to have a drink with some men, I'd go with my mates yeah. down the pub. I've come here to learn about Jesus. Yeah. If I wanted a fight, I've I've left this kind of match. <laughs> stuff behind because it's nothing it's pointless but I that's want... the thing as well in it you could you could get a better fight yeah. or you could get you could have a better beer or whatever yeah. we make so it's like I... when we try to be the world they do it better than us because be they honest, are the world better company yeah the only reason why united <laughs> is through jesus like half the people we socialize with we wouldn't do in the real world because we're not the same whereas if i wanted to do that i'd knock around with people like me in the pub but i'm leaving them i want to be with people who are, who are christians and this talking about hunting you've got to kill an animal if you're a man and oh, like flipping heck like we show me in the new testament where jesus was going around like shooting deer or something like that pulling out a rambo knife <laughs> but it shows again doesn't it, the importance of, of, of critiquing all our cultures yeah yeah. you know so i think i think oh, I, i've just read with a mate um shylin's book about um ethnic stuff you know Re new reformation about the race relations and stuff especially mm. in the states and whatever but one of the things he, he's talking about well it's it's probably too complicated to get into now but we should be looking at uh, ethnic sins in terms of uh, biblical sins so idolatry and um, hatred and all those kind of things rather than just labeling everything racism but I think we do the same with culture and I think there's we can idolize a certain culture you know and we idolize that worldly culture we kind of go we have culture idolatry um, where it's like well I I, I want to be a Christian but I want to I want to be a, a manly man as well who, you know, can drink a keg of beer and, you know, all the women fancy me, but I'm not going to touch them because I'm holy. Mm. Um, and, and I can beat up every bloke in this, uh, in this room, but I'm not going to do it because I'm, I'm godly or whatever. And we want to, we want to get as much of that. We, we want to stay as close to the line as, as we possibly can. And so I think that's why sometimes guys like Driscoll are attractive because actually there is a part of us that, that wants to get as close to the line of uh, sinfulness as as we can, and still still yet remain godly godly men kind of thing. So we are attracted to that, I think. And do you think that comes? So that was the opposite to me, and I, and I'm wondering if there's an inadequacy that comes from growing up in a church, which is probably mm. dominated by women. Uh, <laughs> I'm dominated by a middle class culture where it's quite comfortable and risk averse. Whereas for me, I, I, none of that attracted me because I'd been fighting since I was a kid. I hated mm. it. It petrified me every time I got into a fight. I was, it just brought huge fear to me. And then even after the fight, there was a constant fear of, of repercussions. Uh, this drinking like, I was like, heck, I was drinking a bottle of vodka and 10 pints just on a quiet night. I used to manage a pub. Do you know what I mean? So that never- That was to get you sober, wasn't it? <laughs> what I needed to learn was, I didn't need to learn how to drink or, or to fight. I needed to learn how to be responsible. So when my daughter's ill, that I don't run to the pub and hide behind a bottle. How do I pray for my wife and be, be strong for her and my children when we're facing a tragedy instead of being irresponsible and running off? Or how do I be a gentleman? I can scream and shout and intimidate. I used to work on the doors, but how do I comfort somebody who's suffering or struggling and it's these characteristics of Jesus I needed to learn. Yeah. Gentleness, lovingness, uh, real strength isn't banging your chest like a, a King Kong. 
real strength is 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 dying to yourself for the sake of others and none of this was ever taught not at these conferences that i went to it was all bullying up the physicality of things or the uh, yeah the real strength was never taught nothing was biblical the examples were given about how men were meant to be warriors and do you know what I mean? It, we weren't. We were meant to be defenders of our. We were meant to steward the world, weren't we? Adam wasn't supposed. Wasn't created to be a warrior. It was created to steward, to love his wife and to protect her from eating an apple. But he was a wimp. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> he shared his responsibility. Yeah, and yeah. I think I think that's it. I, I think you are right. I think a lot of guys, probably me included, to to a lesser or greater degree, you know, you grew up in church. You know, you were you were out fighting every weekend. Mm. Um, I mean, I got I I only got in fights when we were playing football. Um, my brother-in-law got us in a fight every time we played football. It's terrible. Um, but you know, perhaps if you never experienced that, and you know, there's a safe way to do it. Mm. You know, there's it's like it's like why do people do them kind of um, indoor parachuting things? You know, where you go and it's like because you don't have to go up and play with it, but you can get the thrill. Um, and I think I think there's a bit of that. So I think for guys maybe who've lived quite a sheltered life in, in church and stuff can be attracted to that kind of thing. But then I think I think we can be you know, it's not just like with this, the danger's the other way, isn't it? So we can have this same culture idolatry and we get dragged away by people we respect and think are godly in other way. So why do you why do you, why did you like preach we all them? Posh words. So Rachel says, I ain't got a clue what you're talking about. And wear a brown cord jacket and a brown woolly jumper and you know, sensible <laughs> shoes. Right? Because yeah. you 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 thought, oh, this is what a Christian looks like. Mm. You know, this is this is what a godly pastor looks like. People I respect in the church. And I think we it's a it's a it's a problem of discernment, but it's a problem mm. we've got a, we we've all got to live up to. It's why the local church is so important. Because as whether we're growing up in the church as, as kids or whether we're new Christians coming into the church, we need a diverse group of blokes or and women, you know, but particularly as men, we need blokes who we can look up to and say, this is a godly man, but he looks very different to him. You know, he, he goes to the gym every day, but he, you know, he sits and reads his book and whatever. But they're both godly men and they interact and they love each other and stuff. And it's why there is such a, a problem for me. I've always had a bit of a problem with this kind of celebrity celebrity pastors thing of, you know, I listen to this guy on the internet and he's awesome. And I listen, I read this guy's books and he's brilliant and blah, 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 blah. You know, whether these guys are dead or alive, it's like, like you were saying before we met, you don't, you don't see him live. And if all you see is is this guy on the internet preaching, or this guy, re, you know, in his book or whatever, whether it's somebody like Driscoll trying to be worldly and cool, whether it's some kind of academic Christian who's, you know, tells you all the theology or whatever, if you don't see him living, you need those models in front of you of of diverse groups of uh, of people to to look up to and role models and to show you that godliness looks different in different cultures in different ways and stuff, and it's why. We've got to build um, godly, diverse churches that are unified on the gospel. And again, it's the same thing with we, we create celebrities out of out of drug addicts and who've become Christians or uh, violent offenders or or anyone who's coming from a, a background that's unique to the current 
yeah. church uh, model. And, and that creates the same danger. And, and one of the reasons why I, I, I dressed the way I did when I, when I first started preaching was you, you're assimilate, don't you? But another reason was I wanted to be taken serious as a preacher, yeah. not as this bloke who only talked about council estate ministry or uh, share my testimony about being a drug addict. So it it was wrong because you shouldn't have to dress for people to take you seriously. Do you know what I mean? Dress like a boffin. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I wanted to be taken serious for what I had to mm. bring through God's word, not just from my past or my background. And the, the frightening thing for me is so many people who've been Christians 5, 10, 15, 20 years are still going around sharing that story of what happened when they were saved, when by now they should be preaching the gospel. And, and, yeah. and I've heard so many stories of, of when you look at some people have not grown from when they were first saved because they're still living in the past. For me, the danger for me sharing my testimony was I started to fantasize about my past. I started to think it was cool and I started missing it. And I'd share, I'd share stuff that glamorized offending or drug taking or violence or, or, or hedonism. And that one of the reasons why I stopped sharing my testimony was I shared a testimony in a church once. And a couple of years later, this big Roy Dead came up to me and said, oh, I want to thank you. Uh, you're the reason why I become a doorman. <laughs> like, I want to thank you because I, I heard you share your testimony. And I got saved. He heard my testimony, and I must have glamorised it that much that he thought I want to. And he was in the church. He was in a church mm. group, and he ended up walking away uh, and and pursuing the life that I'd left behind. So for me, again, how we use testimonies is, is so uh, the biggest testimony I. I I can hear is that testimony of uh, a, a sinless God man who comes to earth and yeah. lives a perfect life, dives a perfect death, is resurrected three days later, ascends to heaven and is going to return. That's the only testimony we need to hear. I um, mean, when I were a young Christian, I, I were always worried that I wasn't a Christian mm. because the only testimonies I'd ever heard mm. were I were, I were a terrorist or, a, you know, I were adulterer or I, I were clubbing every night or just you know whatever that's all i'd ever heard mm -hmm. yeah we had a, a lady at our old church who used to call them sin, sin sharing testimonies um because <laughs> that's all they are and i would just like well i can't be christian then because mm. you know i i i haven't got all these you know i i haven't got a, a definite time where like there were bright light and suddenly my life changed completely and i stopped drinking and all this sort of stuff you know and i thought oh, i well, mustn't be a christian i think that's it comes back to that celebrity thing again, doesn't it? That that we make celebrities out of people, mm. and the hero of the story is 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 me for turning my life around. Mm. And the hero of the story is Jesus, right? Mm. Um, and yeah, so I think I think that's whenever the person becomes the center of attention, mm. that you've got a real problem. And I think that were kind of some of the problems with. With Driscoll, certainly with people that I were interacting with, it was like, well, this guy, you know, he teaches right and he teaches in a way that's accessible. Mm. And I think that's that's something that we can be, we we can fall into that temptation, and um, folks can fall into that temptation of it's like, I, I want to listen to preachers that I enjoy, and we've lost maybe the skill. Um, or even the motivation to sit and um, really get the best out of 
preachers that maybe we, we don't enjoy, you know, or, or like we sat there every Sunday and the guy up the front, he's not, not the guy we'd pick to be preaching to us and we can kind of lose patience and, yeah. and, and not, not work hard to get out of the sermon. I listen to sermons every week. I had an agreement with somebody in my church that I would, I would find at least two sermons every week that I think the preachers are boring yeah. and I would listen to them and I'd kind of chat about what I'd learned from it because I think we've, we've lost that skill as Christians. We, we just go and listen to people we enjoy. Well, I, I remember a few times turning up that church were, were like unbelievers and uh, like really bullying up the service and, and the preaching stuff and uh, being really excited and walking in and finding out the preacher wasn't who I expected. I was like, oh, nightmare. He's never lived. <laughs> <laughs> Can't believe he's preaching. If so-and-so was preaching, he might have got saved. <laughs> <laughs> and I just think, how many people do that now about me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, they're expecting Nathan to be preaching. They turn up, well, we might as well turn around. Ian's on. We'll go on, on again. <laughs> <laughs> when there's someone who came to your church, they tried your church out and they hated it, and then they, they tried somewhere else, and then you were preaching. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, we're not staying. We're going to, we're going to try this other church and then you were preaching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were gutted. <laughs> <laughs> hey, funny ass. Don't blame them. Yeah, they have the wife flipping there. <laughs> so, yeah, again, I think it, there's there's so much like at fault within the church where uh, somebody wrote a blog, I haven't read it yet, but... <laughs> But it sounded good by all accounts. Well, again, about how it takes a village to, to yeah. create an abuser, doesn't it? And there's so many factors. And if if we've got false teachers or people who are uh, not living well and uh, and are given a platform and are, and are taking advantage of that platform, then more we all have to take some responsibility in how they've how they've got there. And again, like you say, for me, discerning my heart is the biggest thing. And because the same things that attract us to uh, preachers that are the same things that put us off other preachers. So we might be attracted to a Driscoll because we like his leather jacket and his brill cream or whatever it is and and the chat about MMA, but we might be put off by somebody, like you say, beanie or hoodie or, or, yeah. or, or accent. And, and what we do is we hear, because we're attracted to personality, we might hear a load of nonsense or because we're put off by a personality will miss a load of gold. So there's like two sides to this story, isn't there? That we don't just listen to nonsense. We also, we, we become deaf to the truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so how have you managed to continue listening to these boring preachers? And, and, and... <laughs> I think it's just work. I guess, I guess it's a bit easier for me because I grew up listening to that style. Mm-hmm. I learned to count, learned to count the bricks in the wall and stuff when I was a kid. Um, <laughs> how many panes are in window? Um, it helps if you've got ADHD because you can kind of listen while you're doing other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I think I think it's a skill. Mm-hmm. I think so. I think there is a skill to like if, when you do struggle with with somebody's style or whatever. That there is a like a skill to. Um, yeah, and I think I think it's a bit easier for me just because. You know, my background as a historian and stuff, I've listened to more boring lectures than, mm. um, you know, that I needed I needed to get the information out. So I kind of learned, learned those skills. So I think there is a, a skill and a practice to it. But ultimately, it comes down to your heart, doesn't it? Mm. I mean, um, 
if you want to listen to if you ultimately I, I remember someone said to me that um they'd been in a sermon and it was boring as mm. um and and somebody it was like a visiting preacher somebody went up to the pastor afterwards says oh that that was rubbish on it and the guy said the pastor said well look he preached the gospel. Yeah, it might not have been that skillful, but he preached the gospel and he made a couple of application points. And he said, if you didn't get out, out of it, the problem's not with the preacher. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we can we can over we you know we we can overemphasize what God can do if his word is faithfully preached, if people have tried. Um no, sorry, we can underemphasize what the the Lord can do if 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 people have you know if people have prayerfully tried to preach the best. Mm-hmm. You know, we should be able to, and and you know they've they, they've faithfully spoken God's word. Mm. Then we should be able to get something out of it. And and it's you know we I I, I just think so often, and I see this in my heart. When I come to a sermon, I am I'm like an Ofsted inspector. Mm. You know, I tick off. Was what were the good illustrations? Did it touch my culture? Did it you know? Did it apply stuff? Except you know, did it explain the text? Ba 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 ba, and actually, what you what I'm doing when I'm coming to listen to a sermon is, I'm coming to hear God speak to me, mm. and 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 it's all about that posture of heart. If I come ticking off whether I think it's a good sermon or whether I like this preacher, I'm stuffed from the start. I've got to come in going right. God is going to speak to me now because He's promised to speak and His words faithfully preached, whether it's boring or not. Now, don't get me wrong sermons can be better or worse um uh, but i think it's really important that whenever we come to a sermon we we come to it with the right heart which is father speak to me you know i i might be bored rigid but i i mean the other thing is if someone's speaking about god's word there's always some there's always one little thing you can take from it that maybe even he says you know i listen to loads of sermons while i'm i'm out walking or whatever or exercising all that, especially about the passage I'm preaching. And it's like, it might not even be the guy's point, but it, it gets my brain off thinking on a, on a, on a tangent. And, uh, and the Lord really speaks to you about that passage. Mm. And I think, well, God's used his word, mm. you know? And so I think, I think we've got to work at learning those skills, but more importantly, we've just got to get over ourselves and go, yeah, it's not perfect for me, but it's not about me. It's about mm. the Lord speaking to, to his people. And it's about the message, isn't it? Yeah. Again, what I've learned and kind of been convicted by is uh, how often did we tune into Boris at the start of this pandemic? It was never, ever entertaining what he had to say, but it was important. We all yeah. thought it was life or death. The whole nation tuned in every Monday at five o'clock or whenever it was that he, he came on for his announcement, what's happening next? Yeah. And he said the same thing every week. That's yeah. the other thing, right? He said the same thing every week. Oh, it's going to be rubbish. Numbers yeah. have gone up, everybody's dying. Mm. And it's like, but we go, oh, you've come and you've said the same gospel again. Oh, that's boring. Can you say something else, please? It's it's, like, eh? Well, that's what we need to do, don't we? Take that message is a life or death message. Yeah. It, 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 it's never going to change, but it's just as important. We need reminding of of what will keep us safe, what's going to lead us in into death. And in that same uh, that same attitude is we, we we're desperate to know what to do. Uh, during the pandemic, we need to be desperate to know what to do with God's word every single week. And again, I think we can just so dismiss it as we're there to be entertained rather than we're there to be challenged and equipped uh, to know how to live our life. It's not about entertainment, is it? 
Yeah, and I think that was the thing, you know, bringing us full circle again. I think that was the thing for me why I'd never really got on with Driscoll. To, I think I listened to one full sermon and, and like people always used to put clips up, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Two minute clip of Mark Driscoll. Um, talking about, I don't know, whatever he's talking about. Um, and it were like, it, it felt like, it felt like a scene, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I love humour, but it just felt like here's another joke, here's another joke, here's another joke. And um, I think when we go too far down that road in preaching of kind of like, right, how how do people want to listen? Mm-hmm. Like, we, we can go too far. It's like, well, actually, no, you've got, you've got a message to put across. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you need to think about the best way to do that, but you need to make sure you convey that message clearly. And that is the main point of your sermon is... is, is you know the gospel and that um and it's not people coming away thinking oh that were funny mm. or or that were you know i remember my dad preached somewhere once in a tiny little church he preached his heart out and this woman came up to him afterwards this little old lady came up to him afterwards very entertaining he was like well that were a crap sermon then wasn't it <laughs> it's gone wrong there but i think lots of people came away from kind of listening to matt just go oh yeah yeah that that were good that were entertaining mm. um and I think we can fall into the same thing. We can go like, right, well, I've got to, I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I've got to do other. Ultimately, you've got to, you've got to preach the word, mm. um, and you've got to impress it on people's hearts, mm. and and pray that the spirit will work. And yeah, I think, I think we could, we we. It's very easy now, in it, for us to look back, um, especially for me and you, who didn't like him in the first place, and go, oh yeah, well, we saw it coming because you were a bit of a prat and that. But I think, you know, as we've said, our hearts are, are, are vulnerable mm. to, to making those heroes who are not heroes because they're not Jesus. Um, they're just unprofitable servants, as it were, um, at, at best. And um, and the other thing is where we're, we're, I love it when people tell me I'm awesome. Mm. I hate it at the time, you know. People, people come up to me and go, oh, that was brilliant. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, don't, don't, don't praise me too much. It's uncomfortable. But, like, afterwards, I'm buzzing because mm. um, somebody told me we were great. Now, don't get me wrong, encourage your preachers, but my heart is so tempted. Like, if you tell me so much good, I'll do that more uh, <clears throat> because I want you to tell me, you know, it's like getting sweet, isn't it? You know, dog treats. Your dog will do oh if you give him a treat. Mm. Um, and I think, I think we're the same. We'll 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 try anything to get people to tell us we're good. That heart's in me, um, and that's that, that's it. the thing, though, isn't it? We often try things that like we'll get the five solus tattoo, like I've got, and think, oh, I'm cool, or we'll get <laughs> we'll see how much we can bench press or m- memorize Psalm seventy three off by heart, <laughs> or we, we'll we'll do so many things. Go to the right coffee shop, uh, post videos of us on our BMX or whatever, trying to like show. <laughs> And, and relevant we are yet no yeah. one's been saved by tattoos or bench presses or flipping bunny hops on a bmx <laughs> but they've been saved through the faithful preaching through faithful prayer and through a consistent godly life in the community that you're witnessing to and it's yeah. hard to live a consistent godly life i struggle with that the most i struggle with prayer massively uh, i can bang a sermon out in two hours and shot a load of jokes in and 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 wing it every now and again. Yeah. But what I can't wing is living a godly life. That's where that fail on that daily, uh, I, I fail on my prayer life daily. And these are the areas we need to develop, not our biceps or our tattoo collection 
or our skills on a flipping football field or whatever to appear relevant. And I think that's another reason, isn't it? It's easy to appear cool and learn the floss. <laughs> it's not for me, mate. <laughs> it's a lot easier doing the floss than it is living a godly life, I'll tell you that. Well, yeah, it's still uh, it's still beyond me, mate, that. Give me that. My lad says to me, I'll tell, come on, Dad, you can even do it floss and like flipping. I try it now. It's not yeah. happening. Well, I just want to be clear that doing the floss, doing a bunny hop on a BMX or uh, doing bench presses isn't ungodly, but they aren't yeah. the way. Do you know what I mean? They can be used by God, but without yeah. that prayer life, without that godly life, it's all in vain, isn't it? And and Well, it's about doing it's about doing those things in a godly way, isn't it? Yeah. So, you know, I, I've always said, like, you know, like I said, you know, a bit of a boxing fan. You can punch somebody in the face to the glory of God, you know. And like, I mean, you've done it right. You yeah. you do all your whatever it's Brazilian cuddles on the floor or whatever it's called. Um, yeah. But you know, I won't want to do that. But you know, you like you can do it to the glory of God. Um, and it, and it's about doing all of that sort of stuff. It's yeah. a, it's all about your heart, isn't it? It's like why are you why are you wanting to build your biceps up? Is so you can look in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Or, or it's so like when you you turn up some turn up to preach somewhere and they're like oh that, this guy's cool because he's ripped or whatever mm-hmm. you know if you're doing it because you know you like you go mental if you don't do exercise yeah. then uh, and you're doing it to like to to say i am looking after my body and um you know if you join a gym because part of the reason you're there is you, you get to chat to people and build relationships and stuff brilliant and you if know, you enjoy it, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. people in the gym who hate it are there out of because they want to look good, but hate it. Well, yeah. If you enjoy it, then praise the Lord, isn't it? It's, yeah. say, it's, it's doing it for the glory of God, but not to appear relevant to a world that was supposed to be irrelevant to. Do you know what I mean? We're well, not you're not going to gonna anyway, because yeah. at the end of the day, whatever gym you go to, mm-hmm. you know, even if you go to a tiny little gym in a nowhere town, there's going to be somebody bigger than you mm. with a smaller waist than you. Um, you know, better looking than you. There's always going to be someone cooler. Mate, so I, I'm going to Greg's and somebody's slimmer than me than Greg's. <laughs> You've got way watches of the smaller smaller waist than you. Hey, funny ass. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think that's the thing. It's like ultimately, I think it. I was talking to somebody about this the other day. I think it comes down to who we measure ourselves against. Yeah, yeah. So like. You know, when we when cre- when we think Christians are cool, we're measuring them against that. You know, mm. the, the, the ourselves or the other people in the church we know friends or whatever. Mm. You know, or whoever. We're, or we're not measuring them against. You know, somebody's good footballer. Mm. We're not. Me- you know, we're measuring them against. I, I do this all the time. You play five a side. Oh, I've still got it, lads, because I've just run mm. ring, run rings around these young lads. Like I'm measuring them against themselves, you know, half of them who've never played football before. <laughs> you know, if I measure myself against Messi, you yeah. know, it's uh, not so much, right? And and the thing is, we measure our our coolness and our uh, even our godliness just to the people around us. Well, actually, the only measure we've got is like how much am I like Jesus? Hmm. And like, well, Jesus wasn't that bothered about being cool, was he? Hmm. Um, but he was godly. Mm. Um, and and I think that's we've got to get in our hearts like the only measure that we have as a Christian man 
is how much are we like Jesus? Mm. And yeah, we want to imitate godly men as they imitate Christ. But we, we, we just got to, we got to start, you know, we're far too easily satisfied to use C.S. Lewis phrase. We're, we're too easily satisfied with, 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 with being better than other people. Mm. Well, who cares? Last day, you're going to stand before God and he's not going to go, are you better than that saddle? Have you got, you know, bigger shoulders than, than little pigeon-chested bloke in your church? Well, no, he's going to say, are you like Jesus? That's all that matters. Mm. Have you trusted Jesus? That's, that's it. Mm. Um, and, and, and we need to lift our eyes more, stop looking at each other mm. in that sense and start, start looking at Jesus a bit more. Yeah, I do any road. <laughs> and, and what a place to end, brother. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, great. It's been a good conversation. It's been interesting. Uh, just, I haven't had breakfast yet, so I might go to Greg. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>